Welcome to Humanize IT, where technology experts meet to discuss business strategy, industry trends, how we can make IT more personal with conversations, not presentations, and occasionally engage in a laugh or two. And Tim is like, oh no, are we going live? Are we, are we going <laughs> to, you know, do I need to wash my mouth? You know, I don't have automatic bleeping here, you know, and <laughs> so I do, I do like, uh, you know, putting people under the gun. My, my thing is I try to, I try to cut in on people mid sentence when I'm doing my so, podcast. So like, we're not live, right? We're good. We're just recording. You mean yeah, cutting, we're recording. cutting like that or? Yep. I, we are, we are live recording like right now. <laughs> <laughs> And so what we have here is we have Tim, who is does something with paperwork. I, I'm not exactly sure. Tim, uh, welcome to the podcast. What exactly is it that you do? Hey, hey, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, like I am all for saving a tree and getting rid of paperwork by bringing whole policy process automation uh, by our new SaaS app, Polygon where we are shaping the future of policy process management. Nice. So, yeah. Doing a little bit of, you know, policy work and helping MSPs streamline that process. I think it's hilarious that when I said that we were going to do a compliance podcast, that my usual partner in crime, Skip, ran for the hills. He's like, oh, I think I have something else to do that day. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... Like, come on, man. I love compliance. Like, I worked in compliance for a, a long time, uh, critical infrastructure, and... I do have to say, like, sometimes it can feel like watching grass grow. So, yeah, and it people is. to avoid it because, like, they just want to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you, Tim, like, why should I care about compliance? Well, so that's a really great question, you know, and it's one that we answer quite frequently, right? So first, I have to start with what compliance is, right? So in its, you know, broad stroke definition is adhering to some standard right? You know, think about the McDonald's hamburger, right? There's a QA process and that hamburger is quote unquote compliant with got to have the burger, got to have the bun, got to have the secret sauce, got to have the pickle. Same thing in the technology space. There are things, frameworks, risk management frameworks, RMF, that, you know, we use as a compliance standard to adhere to kind of like quality control, You know, I just recently wrote a blog article about this that talks about compliance is more like the referee when it comes to cybersecurity, right? That is true. I'm a a huge Patriots fan. Anybody that watched that game last weekend and the clock ran out and they still had like four other minutes left to continue to make that play. It wasn't four minutes. It was several seconds. But (laughs) the point that I'm trying to make is that the referee, or in this case, the cybersecurity referee, did not throw the penalty flag, call out some rule that wasn't followed because there wasn't a rule that was broken, right? It was all about the clock. It was all about resetting. The point that I'm trying to make, compliance, and when we look at compliance from an MSP perspective, it's just the sort of the referee helping you guide you through some rules that you and your clients should probably adhere to. Right. And if you don't adhere to these things, there can be legal ramifications. There can be contract loss. There can be all kinds of cool, fun, bad stuff that could happen if you don't adhere to and follow and play by the rules. So the, the one of the titles to this uh, this podcast this is part one of two people, just so you guys know, yeah. um, everything you're doing wrong with compliance, because yeah. 
I used to be the engineer who said compliance is just a way for other people to make money. And it doesn't actually mean anything. But I have learned in my aging that that is incorrect. Quality is is part of, com- of compliance. If you went to McDonald's and you ordered a Big Mac and they gave you a Fairbury hot dog instead, yeah. you'd be disappointed. Exactly. Um, if you've been ever been to a restaurant and you ordered the same thing you've always ordered, but it just tasted wrong. Mm-hmm. That is a compliance thing. That is that is a quality assurance thing. And you don't get quality assurance without compliance. Mm-hmm. And there are standards. Anybody who's hired an engineer or a technician and they come back with shoddy work, you're like, what were you thinking? I just built it. I did my work. Technically, they got the job done. Right. But was it done to satisfaction? And that is the start of compliance. So I'm going to ask you, Tim, like, how do you start with compliance? Well, so in full transparency, I've been doing this for 17 years, so I wouldn't necessarily say I'm starting. But what I do talk about when I have conversations with MSPs, you know, when we through our peer group or whatever is start someplace. Right. We always say the word. We always say the words in the tech space like people process technology. Right. Get your people part first. Right. And I get it. Hiring people that know the compliance frameworks, the controls, the 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 engineering part of it. Right. That's hard to do. Trust me. I know because I've been hiring them or looking. For them. <laughs> However, you know, there are things out there. You know, we have a peer group, literally the teach to fish model, where we can help you understand these, you know, complex world of compliance. But it doesn't have to be big, scary and complex. Pick something. I generally say to MSPs, you know what? Look at the CIS framework. It's iterative. There's three different phases. Implementation group one. For those that don't know CIS, the Center for Internet Security, I always try to justify my acronyms. And every time that I don't, Adam gets to drink. So, (laughs) but start someplace. Pick CIS. You know, I'll go get my whiskey. Start by a selection of 16 over here for anybody who does not know me at all. Like used to be whenever I got a new client, when I first started my company, we got a new client. Part of my compliance checklist was get a new client. Get, I get a bottle of whiskey. Well, I'll have to remember that for bringing you some. You know that I was going to get out of the technology space and open my own distillery several years ago. I, I, I've been trying. I've been falling in love with and and the the whiskey lovers out there are going to hate me for this. Um, corn mash whiskey. I, I yeah. have been loving it lately. Yeah, it can be a little sweeter because that corn has a little higher sugar content. So I'm sweeter. loving the really gritty corn ones, like the ones that like it's like slapping your face with a corn husk. Because I I worked on a farm for six years. I was a farmhand. Yeah, and so for me, there's nostalgia corn. to yeah. corn whiskey. Yeah. Not that I drank it back then, but I worked in enough grain bins, transport enough corn that it just smells like home to me. Yeah. And um, I do love my high-end bourbons. I love my high-end scotches. But mm-hmm. when I went to this, uh, my wife brought me a bottle from this distillery in Arapahoe, Nebraska, brand new, just small guys. Um, she got to pour the bottle herself and everything. She was so excited. And I was like, this is actually really good. I don't think anybody, everybody would love it, but the fact it was, it was strong. But now... They have set a standard. This brings us back to compliance. Next time you make this whiskey, there is a whole slew of things that goes into creating a consistent whiskey. 
Exactly. That you have to work on. IT isn't the only place that deals with compliance, people. It's not just restaurants that deal with compliance. It's not just food that has to deal with compliance. There's a whole line of this that we have to deal with to make sure that we're consistently delivering a product that meets our customers' expectations. And what is the compliance that you're adhering to? Maybe it's CIS. Maybe they have the checklist that you love. Right. You and, love and, NIST. I grew up with NIST. Like NIST what? was my baby when oh, I was. Yeah. So I've been I've been maintaining NIST 853 since version three. Yeah, I'm old. Oh wow. <laughs> um, when GRC platforms didn't exist, when awesome you know tools, QBR tools, process management tools like Humanize IT didn't exist. Let me tell you, I got really tired of spreadsheets fast. And for those of you that know, there's a 255 character limit in a cell. So when I write an implementation statement of this is the multi-paragraph thing that I do to adhere to the fail, fail, tilt, fail, tilt, like, no. So I actually, as a coder, I've been coding since the mid nineties. I'm like, that's it. No more spreadsheets. I'm going to just build this little Linux thing, PHP thing, and manage it all on my browser. Yeah, gosh, 2007, I think. GRC didn't exist. And I've been doing that going forward with 853. Uh, 853 is a NIST, National Institute of Standards and Technologies, SP, special publication that is a dictionary or a catalog of controls that a lot of these risk management frameworks, RMFs, use or look to to develop a set of standards that we need to meet. So yes. NIST, NIST 853, currently in Rev 5, um, 800-171 is the CMMC specific one. It's a derivative of 853. Let's just keep throwing numbers and acronyms and get the dyslexic guy all messed up. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's <clears throat> like when it comes to compliance, those of you not in compliance, like there is a spreadsheet, a mapping, like, okay, here is the NIST finding. Here's the PCI finding. Here is the, back in the day, SAS 70, um, and all of the control families that exist between the three and which ones do they map to? And engineers were just getting nosebleeds. Yep. I know because I wrote a um, Excel spreadsheet with a series of pivot tables that digested uh, output from Rapid7. Oh, yeah. That got exported to um, SharePoint. And I digested it so that each engineering group and this large company knew which findings applied to which controls and how fast they needed to remediate them. Right. And oh so, my gosh. And so that was insane. Here's the thing that I love about what you just said, right? And it's, and it's a sticky note on my wall. And this is a podcast, not a video, right? So I'm not. Yeah. So, but it basically says, video. This will be on YouTube. If I have to do it more than twice, it's scripted. Right. So from the engineering perspective, like you said, like write something that it can then be consumable later. Right. Much yes. like what you're doing in Humanize IT, we're doing for policy management, which is scripting and putting in the process part for managing all your documentation. Right. You okay. MSPs do this already. They have an onboarding process, an offboarding process. They have a, a plan and a people and a process around some of the business stuff that you do day in and day out. What you haven't had until today is Polygon to manage those policy documentation for you. And so I don't have to type I don't have to type my own anymore. 
So our platform. I don't, I don't have to copy and paste. What if I just wanted to copy and paste from? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing, right? Great. And this is what happens in the industry. I go to, you know, some NIST, some SAN, some website, or I buy a policy pack that's a bunch of Word documents. Yeah, that's I, all I need, right? Yeah, and I copy pasta, company name, everywhere, and I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I'm done. Well, the first part of that problem is the alignment phase, right? And what we're bringing is this four-phase process, that alignment phase. Number one, that document isn't written to the technical standard, to uh, corporate culture, right? And more importantly, actual business practices in place that that business and you as the MSP are providing services for. Like looking at a control that says, you will protect the endpoint and the template says, we have antivirus. Well, your cyber insurance company is going to be like, do you have next gen AV? Do you have EDR, XDR, advanced threat protection, ATP? Your policy document just basically says, we have antivirus. Uh, company name deploys antivirus across devices because that's what the template said. Yeah, that's not going to fly anymore. So that first phase of writing these documents and where these templates... Now, don't get me wrong. There's some really good ones out there, right? In fact, we've curated our own library of the hundreds of you know policies that we've managed mm -hmm. over the 17 years. We know it works well because we're doing it. I mean, getting FedRAMP approved for an for, for what we've been doing for 17 years, like kind of a big deal. So... We have some history. So if you don't have your own base structure, you can use some of us, some of the stuff in our library that will guide you through the process of actually aligning a process. I'm sorry, aligning a policy to the business processes in place. But we don't stop there, right? You know, uh, Adam, you were saying, I, I get, I copy paste, I'm done. Yeah, but you know, even if, the, you're forgetting the rest of it, right? Yeah. Think about uh, somebody at the company probably needs to sign off and authorize like some executive level, right? Yeah, that's what we do. We And that executive needs to authorize. So we go from alignment to adoption, to authorization. Great. Everybody's on board. C-level's on board. But now what? Uh, what good is a password policy if I don't train my end users, right? Yeah. Uh, adoption. These things need to be adopted by the by the company at large. So, and yeah, then, I mean, my my big thing here just to interject is it, it comes it becomes about intent. Yeah. Is your goal checkbox compliance or is your goal to actually produce a quality product? And that's the and thing. I have I have kids and yeah. it's like, go sweep the kitchen when the kid walks over, grabs a broom sweeps one time across yep. the floor, puts the broom back into the closet and says, I'm done. Did they sweep the kitchen? Technically, yes. Did they do a good job? No, but you didn't ask them to. Right. Is the kitchen clean now? If the next time I drop something on the floor, is it going to be covered in dog hair? Yes. Uh, are we going to kick up a bunch of allergies? And so for my, my kids who have allergies, are they going to suffer because now the kitchen floor is not clean? Right. And so all these consequences happen because you just checked the box mm -hmm. and anybody with kids knows this happens. Like, did you clean your room? 
technically, yes, they picked up one piece of clothes and they threw it in a different corner. You know, and that's how we've done that as kids. Right? That's how we treat clients. You copy yeah. pasta something from a document, you put it in our document, and you fill in the blanks. Yeah. Okay. Why did they have you create box. that document in the first place? What was the why? Yeah. And this is why? how most people are doing compliance wrong and why you hate compliance because no one likes to copy and paste and throw things onto a portal for no reason. But if you understand the why, why does this document need to be in place? Yeah. Is to make a- sure that this thing is happening. And there's a couple of reasons behind the why, right? So we all talk about when the breach, not if the breach, right? So when the breach happens and your insurance company comes to you to try to help you through this, not only that, but the investigation company, the federal government, the other pieces of the part that come in and try to help you through this breach. And the first thing they're going to ask for is, what do you have for people process and documentation? And you say, I checked a box with a copy paste thing that nobody oh, ever no. looked at. I say I have all my policies. And then they go to validate, are you following them? Yeah. Well, that's the next thing is great. I have a, bu-, and that's where I was going, right? So yes, I know how you love to uh, interrupt mid-sentence. I have a bunch of things that my MSP, that my MSP copy pasted. And then they start to look at it and it says, no, you're not actually doing these things. They're not actually the business practices in place. And by the way, you never actually train the end user. The end user did not know better to click on the phishing email to provide the credentials to the fake banking website that they just sucked billions of dollars out of because there was no actual training and adoption of the thing that wasn't even written right to begin. I didn't know. Yeah. So. Yeah, good luck, right? So, you know, we're starting to see more and more uh, industries, you know, needing the documentation, of course, but also following a process for that documentation. Like I said, MSPs are doing this already. You have an onboarding, an offboarding, a password. You have stuff that you're doing right now. Hopefully. Yeah, well, hopefully, right? Those that are more mature, right? Those MHPs that, you know, are more mature are doing these things. They're just not doing it well in the policy piece. And Polygon fills that gap. Yeah. And and that's what's really necessary. And that's why most people are failing at this mm-hmm. is that they're they're checking those boxes. Yeah. They're they're saying, "Okay, we're good enough." They're doing the CYA compliance. Yeah. Okay. I did this because somebody told me I needed to be CMMC. I needed to be CIS. Whatever it is that you're you're gonna follow, then you can just say the words. Oh, I'm SOC two compliant, and then you're kind of lying to your customers because are you really? Because you're telling them that you're doing all these things and that you're this level of security, and when you get breached because you were just pretending to play house, right? Then not only are you at risk, but now your clients are at risk because you were pretending. Exactly. And we're going to talk more about this in our next episode, where we're talking about how to actually run a a, a uh, compliance program and how to drive your business with it. Because if you do this successfully, people, if you're in an MSP and you do successful compliance, not just checkbox, not just going out and downloading a bunch of things uh, to copy and paste to your clients, if you actually do this, it will drive revenue. It'll drive projects. And both you and your client are going to be happier doing it. Mm-hmm. So, so, Tim. I'm going to put you on pause here and we're going to see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us today. 
If you like our podcast, please subscribe, comment, and check out our Facebook page. Also encourage others who want to see IT Transform to subscribe as well. We could always use your help.